Liz is very unique in that regard, that that she is someone that is very much open and informed by by the collaboration of all these other people and, and, and creative individuals. In very early interactions with Liz, it was just so clear to me that she she has such a presence and such an awareness and is so tuned in to the person that she is listening to or speaking with at any given point in time. And she has this beautiful way of just navigating a conversation where you just you 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 leave the conversation feeling enriched and you're like, I don't even know what just happened there. Welcome back. My name is Kirsten Walsh, and this is Podcasts on Process. We've found ourselves at the final episode of this inaugural series. The five previous episodes have explored the work and working tools of choreographer Liz Lerman. My hope with this episode is to take a peek back at the series and consider possible outcomes. So are you someone who reads the last line of a book first? If yes, then it's likely you've picked this episode as your introduction. But I highly encourage you to go back and pick another episode in any order. Podcasts on Process was designed in two ways, either as a full narrative or episode by episode, tool by tool. And once you're finished, take a moment and look at my partner's websites. This series was generously supported by two amazing institutions. First, the Contemporary, and second, Micah's MFA and Curatorial Practice Program. We've had the pleasure of hearing from more than a dozen additional artists and scholars in five episodes. So let's quickly recap. In the Icebreaker episode, we heard about just a few of the many projects Liz has created in her career. The dance performances, but also her published writing and the development of her toolbox. I had become interested in the fact that I could think about something and make it happen, or chance could knock me on the head, and then I would think about it and something would happen. And so it is, it's not untrue that it's not a certain bumblingness. Um, maybe in time I came up with other ways of expressing that, you know, uh, casting a wide net and seeing what you catch and then working from that. So, um, but also my, um, and I would say this is even much later, my ability to pay attention so that one thing led to another. So I might have been bumping in one corner and ended up way somewhere else and finding the journey interesting, but also finding the thing at the end really valuable. In the following four episodes, each one focused on a tool from that kit to further explore. The episode's general structure considered the spheres of influence out from Liz's practice. For example, in the first episode on collaboration, We hear from Liz about her collaborative method as an agitator, instigator, and synthesizer, followed by David Reynoso, a designer for Liz's most recent large-scale production, Healing Wars. David spoke to his direct experience being involved in that team. And then finally, we listened to curatorial practice director George Sissel, whose teaching philosophy is rooted in collaborative making. The subsequent episodes after collaboration considered the questions Who gets to make? What are the many forms of documentation? And finally, what can good feedback look like? Along the way, hearing from each guest highlighted the spectrum that any one of these tools can exist along.
like outside the box doesn't do it justice because often she's in the box very, you know, she knows how to function in a box and then she knows how to throw the box away. The Dance Exchange, which Liz founded in 1976 and directed until 2011, hosts the Dance Exchange Toolbox. This online kit was the beginning of Liz's living library, a resource designed for dancers, makers, and producers of all kinds. You'll find essays here with titles like The Art of the Question and Walking the Thin Border, Some Thoughts on Art and Faith. You'll also find tools like Walk and Talk, where users are led through the activities step-by-step with the tool's possible applications and additional footnotes or thoughts. The future and evolution of this toolbox is with the Imaging Research Center at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. After decades of work developing these tools, there are still many more to be compiled from Liz. And with the support from the IRC and their research fellows, this public resource will find a new and interactive home. When I began working with Liz and the Contemporary, I searched for organizations to help me better understand what the role of a performing or performance art curator can be. Many of my burning questions were answered by Wesleyan University's Curatorial Practice and Performance Program and their Center for the Arts Director, Pamela Taji. That university has been an ardent supporter of Liz's research and development. One partnership between Liz and the university is a project called Science Choreography. In my conversation with Pamela about this project, she summarized so beautifully the relationship between curator, artist, and community. What I learned was um, engaging, uh, how to engage others in the curatorial process. In other words, the work wasn't even made, so how, how could I engage the needs of other people in my community in the making of that work? Uh, that's back when we commissioned that work. How could they partner in the process and thereby get to know and uh, understand the ideas that the artist was uh, producing as opposed to the idea of commissioning a work where the person goes away, makes the work, and brings it back. Um, the other was uh, looking to others for the curatorial impulse. It was really the scientists who told me where the next phase of the work with Liz should go. And, and, and in fact, it then was owned by them. It was no longer owned by me. I helped facilitate it. I continued to do the contracting. I was an advisor to the project. But, but they, they, um, they went off on their own and, and realizing that that's a good thing. I think there's so much of the cult of the curator where the curator is the be-all and end-all and it's very hierarchical. And if you've worked with Liz, you know that wonderful gesture of, <laughs> of uh, taking... The horizontal. The horizontal and so um, so that's really um, a, a significant way that she has uh, impacted my work and the work of so many people here at Wesleyan. We can invite uh, artists to not only teach a course on their practice but we can invite artists to to research their work using our our faculty and students as their laboratory. So why is it the scientists are able to be given labs to develop um, new knowledge? Why, how can we use the academy to, um, to help artists uh, create work? For each episode in this series, 
At the end, I've asked for listeners to respond to creative challenge. The first creative challenge was the question, what are the tools of your creative practice? And Podcasts on Process was the equivalent of one enormous creative challenge for me. I chose four of Liz Lerman's tools for further investigation because they were the ones rising to the surface in my own practice as an emerging curator. So now, in all fairness, it seems like I need to answer a question, a creative challenge. The big question, how are these tools becoming a part of my creative practice? As I start tracking down this professional path, I've determined that I want to be a platform for voices, authentic experiences, and for, as Liz would say, embodying the horizontal. Each episode, I hope, is an example of that. We've had the opportunity to hear from more than a dozen artists and scholars, and they've shown the many methods and modes for each of these tools. I hope this podcast series is an extension of the tools already developed and in active practice by Liz. But this is also the starting point of my own recorded and archived toolbox. If I have learned anything from my time with Liz Lerman, it is that work is never finalized or perfected, but each act of making is a living, breathing document. Work that will follow, frustrate, and drive you. Podcasts and Process is a kind of synthesis. Here we are examining the work of other makers. This act is precious and is one of the many hats a curator wears. And just as important is the examination and reinterpretation of my own practice. In the episode Documentation, I quoted Liz saying, I am interested in how we observe our processes, discern them down as repeatable actions, and develop them to become tools for others to borrow and make their own. At the core of this series is that very concept. And it is now what I understand as being the heart of what a thoughtful contemporary curator and engaged citizen must do. There's no creative challenge for this episode other than my request to listeners for honest feedback. On the response page of the website, podcastsonprocess.com, you'll find all of the different ways to contribute your thoughts, impressions, suggestions, and musings. I cannot wait to read and hear what's been rattling around in your mind. The thank yous for this episode need to start with Liz Lerman. Here's an artist who without hesitation opened her practice and personal life to a student curator for examination and investigation. She is gracious beyond measure. So thank you, Liz. You've deeply enlightened my work as a curator and maker. And as always, thank you to my mentors at the Contemporary and in Micah's MFA and Curatorial Practice Program. Thanks also goes to Ruby Fulton and the band Nudie Suits for their original music, and to Estelle Klein and Sean Tubbs for giving life to this series as my sound engineers. And of course, thank you to my classmates and my family for their support. I ask that you please keep visiting the website, even after you've listened to every episode. I hope this archive remains a living resource for practitioners of all kinds.